Sometimes I wonder if not being a daily podcast anymore was the right choice. Because let me tell you, the news out of New York Comic Con had me on fire. Between Miracle Man and spoiler, con harassments, and New York Comic Con tweeting from people's accounts, even though it was a prompt when you signed up for the damn thing, people just get me absolutely heated. And I just need to play this clip again. You know what it says on a box of chocolate pudding mix? Caution, pudding will get hot when heated. Go to a hotel, you know what it says on the shower cap in the bathroom? Fits one head. You wear a shower cap? I read. And I'm dying to know the suit that prompted lawyers to insist on the shower cap directions. Look at the box your iron came in. It says, warning, do not iron clothes while wearing them. Do we really have to slow down for these people? This is The Daily Rios, episode 266 for Friday, October 18th, 2013. Okay, for the most part, I thought the news out of New York Comic Con was more about sustaining what was already in the works at most publishers, because, let's be real, Marvel has been sitting on Miracle Man since 2009. We forgot that, didn't we? So even though I felt it was mostly lackluster, there were a few nuggets of, ooh, cool. Uh, we're getting new IDW artist editions, I believe now going after DC stuff like Jack Kirby's New Gods. All the Marvel Now Wave 2 books were announced, reactions to which I'll save for a later previews post, either on the site or maybe even on the episode, because I got lots to say on that matter. Christopher Priest and Mark Bright return to Quantum and Woody in a miniseries separate from the Valiant series that is going on, a Valiant series that is being written by a creative team that's not Priest and Bright, and the list goes on. You can do a quick search on comic book resources if you want to know more about New York Comic Con 2013. So, the news felt lackluster, and really what it did was just make me pine away while I wasn't at the convention itself. Because the draw has always been the con itself for me. The friends, the people, the action on the floor, or in Artist Alley. The deals, the interactions, meeting new people, discovering new projects. It's real easy to be a backseat driver and rail about all the news out of a con, or about stuff that happened at a show that, you know what, you weren't even at or were privy to, you know, you can, you can do that all you want. But if you weren't there, you don't really get the experience, uh, you know, from the con in the way that you do if you're really there, you know. So all this to say, go to New York Comic Con, go to any con, go to a convention if you've never been to one. I think you'll have a a whole new understanding of what it is. It is not always about the news that comes out. It is not always about one person's agenda uh, dealing with a certain publisher or whatever. It is not about trying to one-up publishers and try to 
catch them in something that they say or a creator. It is about the convention. I need to go to a con. I, I, I'm thinking 2014, I need to go to more cons. I just need to be back in that environment again. So I believe it is probably time to sell more books so I can create a uh, convention fund for next year. <laughs> This is a Feedback Friday episode, so let's get to some feedbacking. This is from Scott on episode 263, which was called A Different Kind of Birth Call. He says, I'm glad I'm not the only one who likes the newsroom. I have been really enjoying it, and my friends won't even give it a chance because so many people on the internet make fun of it. But its idealism reminds me of Sorkin's work on the West Wing. Scott, I totally agree. I refuse to be too cynical that I can't think like a greater fool, which is a nod to the show. Uh, you know, I don't want to be too cynical that I can't think or that I can't try and shape the world around me to be the world that I want to live in. Uh, you know, my immediate world. I don't mean the larger world. Uh, you know, if it is the larger world, that's great too. So, yes, there is idealism in that show. But, you know what? It's about time because... There is a lot of bleak entertainment out there, you know, shows based on fear and struggle and betrayal and revenge and anguish and people without heads. And, you know, again, just like in the show, sometimes tilting at windmills is an admirable, admirable cause and one to rally behind. Uh, newsroom, second season done, waiting for the third season. And it's the kind of show that I keep coming back to on YouTube, and I watch certain clips, and I watch funny moments, and I watch the good moments, and, uh, you know, I actually want to watch it all again. It's not that long of a program to do so. In other TV talk, I've finished Smallville Season 8, which is the Doomsday Season. Talk about a bleak show. It wasn't easy to get through at all. 6, 7, and 8 really haven't been easy in terms of seasons. Uh, no matter how much DC Universe stuff they throw in there, there's just, it's just not as connected, those three seasons, uh, as some of the earlier seasons have been. This season did give us Legion of Superheroes, it gave us more Green Arrow, and Plastique, and maybe Black Canary, and Parasite, and Zatanna, but it ended with such a whimper. You know, you bring in a character like Doomsday, and for us comic people, we barely got a fight between him and Clark, which I thought was really lame. And then the way they went about getting rid of the character was kind of confusing, and I'm not really sure what they did, and did they, did they blow him up, did they bury him? Um, you know, now that I think about it, if they did bury him, if they did dispose of him in a way that kind of sets up how he was introduced to comic readers. So if they bury him, and the way we know him is, you know, he just burst out of the ground on Earth, maybe maybe that is a connection. Maybe in, maybe in the Smallville universe, this wasn't, uh, this first time that Clark and Doomsday met is not the time that Doomsday kills Clark. Maybe it's a later time. Maybe it's a second time he escapes and... Clark is now Superman, and we get the whole death of Superman thing, and you know what? Fuck it. Now I actually like that ending. <laughs> but I don't think they're that, I don't think they're that intuitive. I don't think, maybe they thought by season 10 they were going to bring him back. Um, they certainly didn't have the comics in, in mind at that point, so. Uh, anyway, uh, season 9 is on tap, and I'm fairly certain, like 8, 
and most of six and seven that I haven't seen any of these episodes in season nine. It's all about Zod. So I'm curious. What else did I watch? I watched the first episode of Walking Dead. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, just to say that I felt... Um, it didn't feel like it really told me what the season was going to be about. You know, in the way that season three started and you knew it was going to be about the prison, right? They got to the prison and it was going to be all about the prison. Season two kind of started this way too, where there was nothing in that first episode that sort of cemented what the rest of the season was going to be about. And it took to the second episode of season two where they came across the farm and then suddenly that's what the whole season was about for season two. This one, not so much, but you know, it's Walking Dead. I'll stick with it. Um, and then there's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, I said not everything has to be fear and pain and struggle and bleak. Uh, and this show definitely is none of those things. But it could be about a little bit more in my mind. Um, I'm watching. And, you know, so are other people. But if if they came to the show and if you hyped this show based on the Avengers movie, you kind of need to step up your game and give us some of why we're coming into this show, you know? I understand trying to give it its own voice, but we came because of Avengers. So, yeah, you know, I, I've fallen asleep on one episode. I nodded off on a few others, which is not a good sign. But I, I'm still watching. My girl and I are still watching, so we'll see. Um, actually, I interrupted Scott's email, so let me get back to that. He says, he continues, So I just heard episode 263 today. But at the end, I got the impression you were maybe going to be doing some more podcasts, taking a look at DC, which I would love to hear. I personally am very confused and conflicted about the current state of the DC's New 52. I still enjoy a number of their books, but slowly the slowly they seem to be pushing out everything I like. Diggle on Action, Robinson on Earth 2, while Jeff Johns and Jeff Lemire seem to be slowly dropping books. But Vertigo has been gaining steam just when I thought it was going to be the only... Uh, just when I thought it was going to only be putting out fables. I also have really enjoyed Forever Evil, even though we're just two issues in so far. It looks like you've only put out one more podcast in the last couple weeks. If you get around to a good, objective look at DC, I would love to hear it, especially be because back when you were with CGS, you and Adam Erdo were a big influence on me, the way you would describe DC books you read in your youth, and the love you had for them got me to go back and read a ton of 80s and 90s DC. Thanks. Thanks, Scott. No, I haven't done an objective look at the output of DC because I'm still not there yet. Um, still haven't read enough to make a decision of that early stuff. And now they're wrapping up year two, and I feel like I need to really catch up. And by the time I actually talk about it, who knows, it might be outdated. Um, as the company itself... Uh, you know, it's, the only thing I can really say is, if you're not feeling it, um, it's just this, this decision that they did to reboot, which has been proven, there's evidence, it's been proven that DC's reboot was one of the major things that, um, really pushed comics into, uh, um, having a little bit of a burst this past couple years. Uh, especially in terms of retailers. And in fact, in one of the news coming out of New York Comic Con, I think it's the first time, uh, maybe in 2012, uh, or maybe 2013, it's the first time that comics have actually outsold graphic novels, made more money than graphic novels. Um, uh, I'll link in the show notes uh, 
the, the conference that came out of New York Comic Con that had all these great statistics, and it was just some interesting factoids. And a lot of that was given credit to, you know, DC and then Marvel Now and, and uh, uh, you know, this surge of movies and TV shows based on comics, et cetera, et cetera. In terms of the publishing standpoint, which I can talk about because I've sort of seen enough evidence of it, uh, I, I still don't think it's a bad thing. And if readers aren't enjoying the output, the actual content of what DC is doing, um, then it's just not, it's not something that uh, I guess, you know, I guess it's something you just got to kind of let go and maybe go back and read all that other DC stuff. And does it suck that, you know, maybe somebody who's been reading DC for a long time can no longer enjoy those characters and it's not their DC, it's not their characters. But keep in mind that the reboot was, you know, a lot of times when I see reviews or, uh, you know, I see characters reemerging within the DC universe and right away I see a lot of comments of, well, I sure hope they keep this, and I sure hope they keep that, and I sure hope they do this, and I, and it's all based on what came before, and you can't do that, right? It's a reboot. You can't, I don't care if they didn't reboot the whole entire line. They are trying to start, it's like when Byrne did Superman, and, you know, we got a new version of Metallo, and we got a new version of Mr. Mixelplick, and we got a, a new version of Toy Man, and, uh, you know, why were those successful, and, and, and not, um, and these sort of, uh, you know, the way they're doing the reboot now is not, I mean, some people are reading it. Obviously some people are reading, some people are enjoying it. I'm sure when Byrne rebooted Superman, there were the Silver Age fanatics like Mark Wade, who probably thought, no, you can't do that. How dare he try to simplify or explain Mixelpidolic or how, you know, no, you can't do that to Brainiac. And why did they make him a carnival barker or whatever they, how they did with him originally, you know? So, it always happens during these re reboots where if you are if you were a fan of a particular period or or you were invested in decades worth of a certain era uh yeah the new stuff's not going to feel right for you i get that i totally get that but i can't fault the publisher for that because that's they've moved on the publisher has moved on and um uh, things exist out there in the world that you can still read there's the digital stuff that is coming out, the Adventures of Superman stuff, or the Batman stuff that's coming out digitally, uh, which doesn't really adhere itself to a certain publisher line. But they're trying to get their ducks in a row, and they're trying to make TV match the comics, match the movies, match the video games, match the animation. So I can't objectively, if you really want me to be objective about it, I don't fault the publisher for doing that. Uh, subjectively, content-wise, I, I also can't speak to it. There's some stuff I, uh, that I've seen. I'm sort of where I sort of go, eh. I sort of shrug my shoulders and go, well, you know, there you go. It feels oddly enough. I, I once on Tumblr made a comparison between the DC reboot of 2011 and the DC reboot of 1986-87, and and there are a lot of similarities. Uh, especially in terms of bringing in characters from other publishers and other things. And certain characters got a full reboot like Superman and Wonder Woman. Other characters did not like Green Lantern and Batman. Sound familiar? Uh, anyway, um, in there was a weird period in DC's history in, in sort of like 1988-89 where they did a lot of reboot rebooting of characters or... Uh, they would create a, a, a new Dr. Fate, or they would create a new Manhunter, which was late late 90, or mid-90s. Um, and they would sort of put other characters in strange new settings and, and whatever. And 
a lot of that's or or there were total new variations of villains. A lot of that stuff didn't stick. They just had to experiment. And as great as 1986 and 1987 is in terms of comics, 1988, 1989 are not that great in terms of comics. There are some really shitty DC comics around that time. And I think it was because they were trying to push that whole idea of let's see how far we can get from original stuff. And you know what? Eventually a lot of this might cycle back. I'm not saying we're going to get the old DC universe back. Or you can't even say the old, D which old DC universe, right? You, you, we're not going to get the post-crisis DC, the original crisis. We're not going to get that back again, you know, I don't think. So um, they're going to muck around and they're going to mess around with this for a couple more years. And look, post-crisis, that lasted how long, you know? And, and maybe so will this, and, or maybe it won't. Uh, same thing with the Silver Age. I mean, there's been constant reboots throughout. So um, in in that sense, in the objective sense, I, I, I really can't speak, uh, I really can't find a criticism uh, in, in sort of that sort of publishing sense. Now, if you want me to get specific about certain things that have happened within certain news, uh, you know, the, the shoddy ed editorial stuff, you know, sure, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I'm thinking about, but... I haven't really wrapped my brain around it. But in terms of subject subjectively, I, I haven't read enough of it. And I flip through some of the new stuff, and I, I, there's some pretty art. Um, how it holds up as a story, I don't know. I, I sort of, I kind of put it this way. If I'm not rushing to read it, maybe that's saying something. And I've certainly read enough reviews out there to get an idea of what's been going on. And I sort of go, hmm, so that's what's happening there. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> So sometimes my silence speaks volumes. Uh, Devin Bruce also on the same episode said, I have to go to work in the classroom right away, but I wanted to tell you that I listened to Tuesday's episode on the drive to work, and I literally overused word, but actually used properly this time, got goosebumps. Your restrained passion struck a core in me. Less so the newsroom stuff, but the why am I not talking about DC thesis? From what little you said on the podcast, it really feels like we are thinking along the same lines. Uh, I can't be sure, uh, I can't know for sure because you were just making hits, but the tone of your comments seemed to match my feelings. And that's uh, Devin from Scotch and, Pot, uh, Scotch and Comics Podcast. Yeah, you know, same thing, same idea. Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to get there, and, and it's odd that I'm reading a lot of this Marvel Now stuff, but it's because I was able to jump in from the beginning of Marvel Now and uh, as I prefaced a little earlier in this episode, uh, the Wave 2 I find very interesting. I don't think I'm going to give it as detailed a look as I did Wave 1, but there's some interesting things to talk about in even the first month of solicitations, which I will be doing on a previous episode, because there's some stuff on there that I just, uh, you know, struck me odd, or I didn't agree with, or I liked, or whatever, you know. So we'll see what happens there. John Griggis, episode 264, the episode called You Better Work, about conventions and press passes. He says, you are good at pointing out behaviors I disregard but recognize easily. You are the accountability hawk. I appreciate that fact that you'll go there. I love that. I love that he called it the accountability because, I, you know, that's another word that I, I, I sort of always think about. And I sort of go, yes, yes, that's that's what I want to do. <laughs> I want to hold people accountable for their words um, or for their actions. Um, let's see, he continues. Uh, there has been quality discussion about books, but it's been a long while since I've seen some. Why is that? Mainly, it's because I have moved on and away from forums. 
Yes, I love the folks I've become friends with, but I was turned off by folks trying to win rather than compare and contrast the artistic expression. I emailed John right away when I read this and said, you know what, yes, that is exactly it. The idea that people have to win rather than discuss. You know, let's go back to what I was talking about DC. It's the old subjective versus objective argument, right? The subjective is what the, you know, did you like the content? What did you, did you like it? I hated it. I liked it. I hate it. But it doesn't really go much further than that. Some people are good at, at explaining why, but a lot aren't. Um, you know, it's more about preferences and my preference is better than yours or my opinion is, is just as important as yours and which I really just don't agree with, right? I just, I just don't, I don't agree with that. Um, I think that sentiment is used as an excuse more often than not. But the objective, you know, the hows, the whys, now that's where I want to live. You know, that's the kind of stuff I like. It's no longer about who's right and who's wrong. It's about supporting your claims. It's about facts, examples, uh, using the topic, using the subject at hand, formulating reasons. That's the kind of stuff I like, right? It's not enough just to be contrary, and that happens to me a lot. You know, I'll put out a statement on, on the podcast, or I'll say something on a forum or Twitter, and some of the earliest reactions that I get are always, you know, real short, and they say, I disagree. Or they write, everything in opposite to what I just posted. You know, it's like, it's like that, it's like my statement and my thought went through some bizarro filter and got spat back at me. So instead of, you know, listening or reading what I have to say and letting whatever it is I said, you know, whirl around your brain and mess around with the idea and talk about it, even if you don't agree with it, that's okay. It's okay to venture into another person's thoughts without agreeing with it, right? You can explore it. You can dip, you can pull more things out of it. You can try to stretch it and see what else is there, you know, dip your toe in. It won't bite, right? It won't make you love Apple if you're a PC person, but damn, give the topic a chance to breathe before you decide to go all mirror, mirror on it. Jesus. Can I get any more geek references in there? <laughs> so um, I think that's what you find on a lot of forums. You find, uh, you know, uh, confrontation right away, you know, putting up walls and, and just hearing or reading something. And then immediately, you, if, if they say black, you got to say white. And, and I just think if someone says black, you know what, swirl around in there. Let's figure out why they said black. Let's figure out why they're, they're, they like what it is or they're talking about whatever it is. Um, nothing it really on forums, you know, hey... I'm reading Forever Evil, you know, I really like it. This is cool, this is cool. What do you guys think? I hate it. It sucks. Or even worse, I'm not reading it. It sucks. So, yeah, I, I'm all about, you know, let's, let's, let's explore. Let's explore. You know, if you're, I think of it like this. When I listen to other podcasts, I'm listening because I want to hear their opinions, right? So, yes, some immediate reactions could be, well, I certainly don't agree with that, or I don't agree with that. But I listen, and I, I sort of listen to their why they're thinking the way they are. And if anything, I sort of try to, you know, dip into that and, and mess around with it and go, okay, well, let's, let's explore that more. Well, why? You know, because I think it's cur I, it's fascinating to me. I want to hear what people have to think. I want to hear what they have to think about certain things. Even if I don't agree, I don't give a shit if I don't agree with it or not, you know? So... That's the kind of thing I think uh, the frustration uh, of why forums, they just got really nasty. And, and a lot of it is due because of this all this big news that came out in the past couple of years. 
Disney bought Marvel. DC became DC Entertainment. No more Paul Levitz. Oh no, DC's rebooting. Marvel now. Uh, Catwoman looks funny on this cover. Rah! You know, and all of a sudden, oh, everybody's got to pick sides. You know, it's like, Jesus. So, anyway. Um, John also sent me a package of comics, uh, because I had sent him something, and I thought that was really cool. I didn't get it for the longest time, because I sent all my packages to my parents' house, so they're safe. Uh, and I didn't even realize it was there. And, you know, there's a copy of, there's a Lady Cop number one from DC from the 70s, which is awesome. There's a Justice League issue with uh, the Secret Society and a, a, an early uh, Bronze Age, I think, JLA issue with the Secret Society, a team that I always really like. Uh, so, John, thank you for that. And I sent you an email, but uh, I just want to make sure, I just wanted to thank you on the podcast as well. All right, uh, Solitaire Rose on episode 265, the Marvel Now one-year anniversary episode. He says, uh, I am always surprised when people say that Marvel needs a complete reboot. Why do you think that is? I think Marvel has done a good job of not being bogged down by its past since Quesada came in and changed the focus from navel-gazing to actual storytelling. I've always felt that the Mike W. Barr philosophy is best. Reference what you can. Uh, reference what can give you a good story, don't reference the rest, so as not to invalidate it in case someone else can get something good out of it. Uh, so, Corey, I think the cries for reboot were leveled mostly because of the fervor that was going on after DC rebooted their line and suddenly Image had a resurgence and they were doing a few reboots of some of their properties. Valiant technically was going through a reboot. Um, and I think it was just something that people, you know, it was kind of in vogue and we kind of wanted Marvel to do it just to see, just to see, you know, I truly believe had Age of Ultron come out when it was supposed to come out, not after Marvel now, but before Marvel now, I think we would have seen something a little bit closer to a reboot than what we got. Uh, because, you know, if you haven't read the end of Age of Ultron, there's some timey-wimey stuff that happens. And I think that was all to set up Marvel now. I mean, clearly, we know that Age of Ultron was, you know, had some rewrites and just wasn't, didn't come out at a certain time. And no matter what Marvel says, it absolutely feels like a setup to uh, Marvel now. But because we got Marvel now first and Age of Ultron second, they decided to go with uh, something that, you know, Obviously, they decided to go with the first wave of Marvel now. but And that ship has now sailed, and I don't think Marvel is in any position to try to reboot their line at this point. And I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's anything that we want now. It's just, it was one, now it's just become, oh, it becomes a what if. What if the Marvel Universe had rebooted? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I think that's the reason why people are doing it. Um, Bruce Rosenberger also sent an email on that same episode thanking me for, you know, going through all the titles and what I felt, and, you know, Bruce, you're welcome. Uh, Bruce is doing, it's interesting, he's doing a Marvel month-by-month -month podcast where he's going way back, the beginning of the Marvel age in the 60s, and looking at all the comics that came out in that month, and I'm sure that's a good way to... Um, see how the Marvel Universe grew and expanded, and it's part of the Comic Book Noise family feed, so uh, you definitely want to check that out. Chris Beckett dropped some information on the two Timeline Tuesday posts that went up on the website, so if you haven't checked the website, there are some there, there's some stuff going on on there that I'm not doing as podcasts, like Timeline Tuesday. Uh, so both September and October, uh, I've done posts for 
just taking a look at the stuff that happened 10 years ago, 25 years ago, 50 years ago, and sometimes even 75 years ago. Chris Beckett left a bunch of comments on there, uh, you know, mostly thanking me for spurring some good memories. And that's really what Tuesday, Timeline Tuesday is about. It's like, you know, look what was going on 10 years ago, 25 years ago, 50 years ago, 75 years ago. And and going, oh, yeah, or, or, oh, wow, I've never read that, or that looks cool, you know, I should really look for that. Um, that's that's ultimately the objective there with a lot of things that I do online or in, in, in these episodes, you know, to get you to go back and read your comics if you haven't, or um, pick up some stuff that you've maybe put on a list somewhere and forgotten about, and, you know. Uh, that's what it's all about, really. Read, read. Let's read some comics. And then Tony, just uh, short and sweet, says, uh, great podcast today. Oh, a lot of good ideas. Looking forward to having the Daily Reefs again. So am I. Um, you know, just trying to drop some episodes when I can. There was one other feedback I, uh, I received. Uh, there's a few feedback I've received that I've responded to, uh, you know, just personally. But this one was on Tumblr, and it just hit me earlier today. And it's because on Twitter I... I put out this thing about double shipping and that I wasn't going to support Black Widow and Nathan Edmondson because um, they're soliciting Black Widow issues one and two in the same month and they're $3.99 each. And I, I said, you know, why can't they just do an oversized issue number one at $4.99 and, you know, you know $4.99 as opposed to $8. It's just, it's getting to be too much. And someone asked, they basically asked me if I'm being genuine or, you know, did I really want to read Black Widow by Nathan Edmondson? Or am I just trying to get attention? And I really need to respond to it in a picture. So uh, look for that on my Tumblr uh, because um, uh, I always like when people try to second guess uh, why I do things. And, uh, you know, yes, when it comes to Nathan Edmondson, I want to read Nathan Edmondson comics and I will show you why. So um, look for that on Twitter. Anyway, um, I was on the... Earth's Mightiest Podcast, the EMX Podcast, episode 11.1 with Corwin, Alex, and Viet. Uh, we took a look at September's X-Men books, which included the first half of Battle of the Atoms. So if you want to hear some X-Talk, check out the link in the show notes. Uh, it's a fun format. Uh, I had a lot of fun recording it, and it was great to just talk about all the X-Books that they talk about, and most of them which I was reading anyway. And... Um, <clears throat> Uh, just to be able to dig in a, a little bit more than I do maybe on even this show. So, uh, you know, thanks to those guys. Go check it out. Uh, I'll include a link. And uh, it was a lot of fun, like I said. And they don't trash my home city or call me washed up like a certain set of other X-Men-related podcasters. Bullies. You can reach me at Peter at the Daily Rios if you have any comments or go leave a comment on the website. This has been the Daily Rios episode 266 for Friday, October 18th, 2013. I get it. You're having an image problem. Don't be ridiculous. I'm Superman. Yeah, exactly. You're fucking white bread. You're boring. Look at you and your stupid outfit. My father gave me this outfit. And your dad's dead. Get over your dead parents already. Didn't your parents die? Don't bring it up. I was a boy. Now I'm a bad. I'm sorry. My dude is cool. Because I made it myself. Daddy's boy. You got a stupid S on your chest. In case we could forget who you are. It's my people's symbol for hope. Hope starts with an H, stupid. Okay, you, okay, stop. Face it. 
You're late. You're wearing eye makeup. Fuck you.